0: Today, we take a look at three American cities. One is known as the most haunted town in America. The other one is known to have the eighth gateway to hell. And the third one has been plagued with legends of monstrous beasts running through the forest. Are any of these stories true? We'll find out today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. We have a lot to cover today because we're doing three stories on three different towns. So I want to jump right into it. Now this is, this is related to an episode I did recently, Ariana Grande and the Seven Gateways to Hell. Now when I released that episode, I had a lot of fun recording that episode. I have a lot of fun recording all of them, but that one was particularly entertaining to me. When I posted it up on YouTube, I had a YouTube commenter named Rising Vapor hit me up and says, hey, there's actually, I know of a couple other towns that are similar to the town of Stoll, Kansas. And so he sent me some resources. He basically said, "Here's, here's a couple of information for town, enough for me to track them down. And so we are going to take a tour of these towns in America that may or may not be haunted. We will discuss that as we get into it now. Normally, we take the Carpenter Copter, but I figure we're in America. There's no point to have to get in. Oh, and the helicopter is a Boeing 347. I looked it up. That's a helicopter with the wings. So if you're ever curious of what the Carpenter Copter looks like, it is a Boeing 347. All two of you out there who are like, what's it look like? And I'm one of them. It's a Boeing 347. But anyways, Carpenter Copter, we're going to just leave grounded for today. And I know a lot of people are disappointed. Now, we have the Carpenter Copter for our air travel international. Can helicopters fly over oceans? I guess I should have checked that out. So we have the carpenter copter for international travel. We have the rabbit rowboat that, if we're going from to islands or again over oceans. And I was like, I need a car. I need a car. And I was I. Came up with a couple different ones. So I needed a land vehicle to, you know, we're just driving around town. So that is why I want all of you to hop on board the Jason Jalopy. I want you to picture it looking like a steam-powered, old-timey car a la Chitty Chitty Bing Bang, But probably less cool. So let's hop into the Jason Jalopy. It makes all sorts of weird noises. It sounds like it's going to die at any moment. And it might... But it's still a reliable vehicle. Now, Rising Vapor has sent us on this quest to check out these three towns. So, so the first place we're taking the Jason Jalopy to is a little town called Dudley Town. Now, Dudley Town is in the state of Connecticut. The beautiful state of Connecticut, I'm assuming. I've never been there. I just imagine there's, like, leaves and people named William and Buffy and Stella and Stewart. They're drinking tea and they see a car of like hooligans show up and they're like show us your ghost show us your ghost and they're like oh my oh my i don't know what to do call the authorities martha and then the authorities come out and they like what are you looking for and they're like i'm looking for ghosts now dudley town was called okay so let me back up here. dudley town brief overview it was founded in the 1700s by the 1800s it was abandoned the forest grew up around it. It used to be farmland, and it just wasn't great farmland. So people move away. That that tends to happen. In the 1920s, this dude writes a book called The History of Cornwall. And he says, you know, Dudley Town has had a string of bad luck. This guy went insane, and this guy killed his family, and a bunch of Indians came in and killed these kids, and a bunch of people disappeared. The end, like, it was just like an anecdote in a book. And he didn't say anything supernatural was going on. He just said, this is a string of bad luck. Rumors started a swirl. Uh, One of the rumors was that Dudley Town was founded by a guy who betrayed King Henry VII or whatever. And the curse was brought over because English kings are known for putting curses on people. But that was a rumor that started. The rumor started that just the land was cursed. And then it became that the land was haunted. The area itself was haunted. Dan Aykroyd, a literal ghostbuster. And he's actually really big into paranormal research. But Dan Aykroyd's an actual ghostbuster. He said... Dudley Town is the most haunted place on Earth. Quite the boast. I think even in the intro, I said the most haunted place in America. Dan Aykroyd, I was selling it short. Dan Aykroyd said it was the most haunted place on Earth. Now, before the history of Cornwall was written, long before Dan Aykroyd was talking about it being the most haunted place on Earth, after the town of Dudley Town was abandoned, the town was bought by basically the people who still lived there. And they was bought in the name of this group that is one of the most ominously named groups that I can think of outside of Cobra or Umbrella Corporation. Actually, those names aren't as scary as this one, the Dark Entry Forest Association. What? Now, their name comes from a, f- the f- a forest near Dudleytown, that's part of it, called the Dark Entry Forest, because apparently the way that the mountains are situated the forest is always dark because of, like, the shade or something. Maybe they're lit up during the noon, but, I mean, for the most part, they're in the dark. Why don't you just call yourself the the DEFA, the D-E-F-A? Why the Dark Entry Forest Association? They bought this land up in the 1920s, so the whole area is private land. You can't visit it, you can't take your ghost crew there, you can't traipse through with your EMF or your spirit box or none of that stuff. They shut it down to the point that if you're driving down the road, people have reported this, that if they're driving down the road and they stop or they slow down, cops show up. People in the area are constantly watching for ghost hunters or teenagers or whatever and calling up the Connecticut State Police like they have nothing better to do than patrol this area, catching the the ghost crew or whatever. Dark Entry Force Association guards this area so zealously that to me that actually raises more questions. If I had just seen this place and it was like, oh, this place, Connecticut, had a string of bad luck, Dan Aykroyd said it was the most haunted place on Earth. I'd be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But the fact that there's a group that's actively, like, suppressing people from investigating it, it just seems odd. Now, there was a report that there was a Christian-based movie production company that wanted to do a movie on Dudleytown. And for whatever reason, it sounds so bizarre, but the, the director, the producers, got six screenwriters, put them in a house in Dudleytown, and they're like, write a script. What? But it sounds like a mix-up of a bad reality show and a horror movie. But anyways, the six writers were sitting in there trying to write on the script. A bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff happened with the movie, producers arguing and things like that. One of the things, according to this article, was that the Dark Entry Force Association threatened to sue the filmmakers for defamation if they made this horror movie based on their town. That is aggressive debunking. They've come out, I mean, if you go and you look up Dark Entry Forest or Dudley Town, most of the first links are, our town isn't haunted, our town isn't haunted, our town isn't haunted, please stay away. And one of the things said, how would you feel if you were sitting in your house and you saw a bunch of teenagers walk outside throwing beer cans and setting fires? Well, I wouldn't feel too good, but if I knew they were there because they thought it was the most haunted place on Earth, I wouldn't mind because I would charge them five bucks. I would charge, I would open it up and say, five bucks, ten bucks, I mean, it's the most haunted place on Earth. And again, we talked about this with the Ariana Grande thing. Stole Kansas is like, do not come here, there's no ghosts. Roswell says, please come here, there's aliens. And Roswell is a booming economy, tourist economy. And Stole Kansas is just this little town in the middle of nowhere. Now, I'm going to stereotype Connecticutians, people who live in Connecticut, Connecticut, Connecticuties. I'm going to stereotype Connecticuties, and I'm going to assume they're all just wealthy so they don't care they don't need the extra money and they don't need the money again they're just sipping drinking tea teenagers are kind of like archie and jughead are like running around in the backyard and they're like but the pushback is what makes the story suspicious the pushback actually is what makes the story interesting because there's hundreds of supposed cursed towns and ghost towns and stuff like that across america and over the globe but the fact that you have a group that's so aggressively trying to debunk it actually makes me more suspicious that something actually happened there or is happening here today. Who knows? I mean, it could just be that they got tired of teenagers like knocking over their crumpets and like driving motorcycles over their doilies and stuff like that. That's the most logical answer. But again, it's, sometimes it's not... the st- The story itself can be fairly bland. It's the little meta details behind the story that... Make it more suspicious. So, if I did, on a, we'll, we'll rate these on a scale of one to ten, how much would I want to visit Dudley Town? I don't know. It sounds kind of pompous. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of meat to the story. On a scale of one to ten, I'd say probably four. I wouldn't even waste my gas driving to Dudley Town. So Dudley Town, a bit of a wash. I look over at Rising Vapor, who's in the Jason Jalopy next to me, and I'm like, "Dude, didn't you tell me to go to this town?" And he's like, "Well, I mean, I heard of it. I didn't technically tell you to drive to here in this really slow car." And I'm like, "Okay, now we are going very slowly to Mass. I can't say the, I can't pronounce the state's name. I don't think I can. At least we're going to Massachusetts." So Massachusetts is um a couple states over, I think. It's still the East Coast, and we're going to a place called uh Le- Leicester or Leicester. I think it's like Leicester, there's no H. So we're going to Leicester and we're gonna visit a place called the Friends Cemetery. Or also known as the Quaker Cemetery, which I wrote in my notes is Quarker Cemetery, just to let you know the level of detail and precision I have with my notes. So the, the Quarker Cemetery, or it's most commonly known as the Spider Gates Cemetery, a.k.a. the 8th Gateway to Hell. Not one of the official seven gateways to hell, no. This is the 8th Gateway to Hell. This is the King Kong of gateways to hell. It was founded in 1740. That's my first note I have written down. The second note that I've written down, this website is fucking nuts. So that should let you know where we're going. I found a general information website on the history of Spider Gates Place. The next website I found seemed to be where most people got their information about the Spider Gates Cemetery. I'm going to read you some details. So this this website is proposing that these things are true about the Spider-Gate Cemetery. Number one. Spider-Gate Cemetery is one of the most visited spots in the state. Let me tell you a little bit about the state of Massachusetts. Benjamin Franklin's birthplace. (laughs) Martha's Vineyard. The Battle of Lexington. The place where the Revolutionary War started. The shot heard around the world, also in Massachusetts. Cape Cod. Any of these places ring a bell? But this website purports that Spider Gate Cemetery is one of the most visited places in the state. The Quakers apparently believed that this cemetery, their cemetery, was sacred. And it is where they did their incantations. What? I don't... Okay, I'm not too far up on my Quaker information. But this website makes them out to be borderline... Satan worshipers, and at one point, actually, straight out, accuses them of building an altar to worship Satan. Now, like I said, my information on Quakers is fairly limited, but they're, a, from what I understand, they are a breakaway denomination from Christianity. They're not like crazy hard workers like the Amish, but they're not like super lazy like every other Christian on the planet. They're like in between. But I don't think I would ever classify the Quaker oats guy in the box where I get my oatmeal as a saint worshiper. But anyways, this website does. Story goes, a 1984 young boy hung himself in the cemetery. The family of the boy goes, oh, that sucks. So we're going to give you gates for your cemetery. What? I mean, <laughs> they say we're going to give you gates for your cemetery and they're going to look like spider webs. Because the boy was Greek, and we are Greek as well. And the spider webs represent the story of Arachne, who weaved webs. Okay, so anyways, they have these gates that, if you squint really hard, they may look like spider webs. Other accounts say they actually are supposed to look like sunbeams. They kind of look like boobs with wrinkles, to me. But anyways, Spider Gate Cemetery. Apparently, if you go through the gates at midnight, the devil appears and takes your soul. That would be a very easy thing to test. Just do it. Just walk through the gates at midnight and see what happens. There's also a, there's a bunch of dead grass where a house used to be, which is where the Satan-worshipping Quakers <laughs> went, but the house is gone, but the grass the grass is still dead. Can you can you, laughing podcast host explain that? Well, I mean, i don't, not a soil expert, but I think if you build any stone structure on something and leave it there for a while, grass might have a hard time growing back there. There is a grave for a dude, real name, Earl Marmaduke. Even back in the day, that fool got picked on at school. Earl Marmaduke, this grave, if you walk around it ten times at midnight and say, Marmaduke, talk to me, then put your head on his grave, he talks to you or moans or something. He does, he makes some sort of noise. There's two things, there's two things that I have a problem with that. One... If it's a ghost, like, I can walk into my bathroom and see, like, the ghost of, like, an old man hiding underneath my kitchen cabinet. I don't know why I have a kitchen cabinet in my bathroom, but you understand, like, ghosts are things that you walk through the forest, you see a ghost, you get in your car, you look in the rearview mirror, there's a ghost in your back seat. You're sleeping and you see your bedsheet starts to rise and there's a ghost crawling through your bed, all that stuff. Why is it that some ghosts can just appear anywhere, but other ghosts need these ridiculous incantations and rituals to appear? it's never explained and this comes I see this stuff a lot where they're like if you do this ritual if you hold up three thumbs you have to borrow one from somebody else light two matches and then blow them out all at the same time at 4.44 a.m a ghost appears but then I could literally just like walk outside and see like a ghost jogger like it doesn't make sense I never get the incantation stuff my second thing my second problem with it is you walk around ten times at midnight and say Marmaduke talk to me and you put your head on the grave And he says something to you. Who 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 did that? Who was the first person to do that? Did someone walk around eight times and go, I give up. Nothing's happening. And then another guy walked around nine times and he's like, Oh man, I this doesn't work. And then a guy walked around ten times, but it was three in the afternoon, and he's like, I mean, like, how did you get to that evolution of this stupid this stupid ritual? And you can actually go and see pictures of Earl Marmaduke's tomb. There's a bunch of grass worn out because people are walking around it. Does that mean that Quakers were also satanically murdering people on that grave. Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't show me a picture of dead grass and go saint worshipping, and then show me another picture of dead grass and go, ah, just people are walking around the lot. You can't have it both ways. And then, this website ends with this quote. No joke, this is the last phrase on this page for Spider Spider Gate Cemetery. I love this. I'm going to read this whole quote without trying to laugh. The last legend surrounding the cemetery speaks of a hidden cave where the body of a young girl was found. You're like, Jason, that's not funny, but it gets funny, okay. Most attempts to find this cave end in disappointment, as there really are no caves. At least not one's big enough to hide a body. How does... (laughs) Someone's like, oh, no, I know my body hiding caves and that. Mm -mm." Back to the quote. Furthermore, there is no proof that a girl was ever found. However, about a mile from the cemetery is a small cave, once used as a root cellar, where a six-year-old boy was beaten and dumped into the river. This occurred in the early 1980s. Spider Gate Cemetery is a good day trip to explore a few legends and get close with some nature and local spirits. What? I don't want to go there. You just told me that a little kid got beaten and dumped in the river in the 1980s. That's in my lifetime. I was watching Transformers. This kid's getting his brains beaten. And then the next sentence, you tell me to go there for a fun trip. They don't even say if this guy ever got caught. They say a kid was beaten and dumped in the river. And it happened. If this, guy, this guy's still alive. Not the boy. But I mean, the killer. I don't want to go there. But the funny thing is, is that other people have. So there's another website where a guy's like, hey, I'm doing a day trip to spider gate cemetery and it's so funny because this guy he's really he's like me he seems he's really into the stuff but he got his information from a book called like weird massachusetts and i am pretty sure the website that i was reading got their info from that book because what he was talking about on his journey is, is totally matches the book he's like yeah i went to where the gates were and I looked for the hanging tree but I didn't really see it. They said the tree that the boy was hung from was like an elm, but I only saw like a sycamore. He goes I saw the place with the dead dead grass. I saw the Marmaduke. There's a picture of him by the Earl of Mar- not Earl. He- There's a picture of him standing by Earl Marmaduke's grave and so I think it matched up. He was reading the same story. The funniest thing is is his story starts off being like I couldn't find the place. It's super hard to find. He goes, I think I passed it a couple times. I had a really hard time finding it. But apparently, this is one of the most visited places in the state of Massachusetts. This graveyard gets a zero stars. I would not go to this graveyard if you paid me to. What a crock. What a a waste. I was like reading this. Well, it wasn't a waste because it was highly entertaining, but... To think that people think that this story has any validity whatsoever, it is almost 100% made up. I'm hoping the boy who got his head caved in is also made up, but none of it's none of it's true. No, other than the fact that there's a place called Spider Gate Cemetery. So this place gets a big fat goose egg on, the, on a 1 to 10 scale. It is one of the most ridiculous fake hauntings I've ever covered on this show. And the people who wrote that description, they either have to start writing fiction or they should be ashamed of themselves. Because there is no reason why people should be wasting gas or time or brain cells investigating Spider Gate Cemetery. Where we're going to now, we're staying in Massachusetts. So if you're tired of me mispronouncing that, which again, I think I might actually be pronouncing that right. I, there's a lot of T's in it, but I don't. I think they're all silent. So anyways, now we're going to a place called Dogtown. Dogtown, Massachusetts was founded in 1693. A lot of weird coincidences, a lot of weird events. The early settlers in the area. Reported that there was a there was a tribe of Indians called the Agawam Indians, and when the early settlers got there, they noticed there was a lot of wolf activity in the area. And the story that they heard from the natives was that the Agawam Indians' ancestors they had the ability to gain their heads would turn into the heads of dogs. And you're like, okay, you know, shamanistic and stuff like that. But the Indians also said there is a herb in this area that anyone can take, turn you into a dog, shapeshift into a dog. You didn't have to have any sort of high-level ritual training or anything like that. You could turn into a dog if you could find this herb. Early settlers probably like whatever, dude. See you next Thanksgiving. The reason why the town's called Dogtown has a couple different origins. One is that there was a bunch of dogs in the area, like wolves in the area. Another possibility, which this was another fact... So they just, these are all facts. They just don't know which one contributed to the name of Dogtown. Was during the American Revolution. So the town was founded in 1693. It was actually very well situated because it was close to water. It was close to the water. So you could do fishing and stuff like that. But it was protected. It had natural barriers to protect it from both pirates, which was a big issue back then, and native raiding groups. So they kind of had protection from both You know, sea adversaries and land adversaries. It wasn't the best for farming, but they were able to do other things there. So it it was a bustling town at a certain point. It was not like a Boston-level town, but it had a population. During the American Revolution, when all the men left to fight the British, women started taking dogs on in disproportionate amounts. So it got to the point where pretty much every woman had a pet dog. Now, that sounds creepy too. And it kind of makes you think like this area has some sort of like canine presence. But it was almost like all the women in town to have company. Don't be dirty. You're going to be anyways. But to have company, they got dogs. But what happened was American Revolution, spoiler alert, America won. And the town was still there, but during the War of 1812, when those dastardly British showed back up, I think it was against the British, I'm, I might have been the French, I'm not for sure, but the War of 1812, that particular town, Dogtown, was now susceptible to naval bombardment. And people were like, you know, we can go to a place that has, you know, better economic factors, better farmland, and stuff like that. And as the townspeople left, you basically had three groups of people that stayed in the town. You had widows, you had independent women which back then was basically code word for witch, and vagrants moved into towns because they had all these houses and no one living in them. Got a lot of accusations of witchcraft in the area at this time. Now And this is past, we're in the War of 1812, so this is past the Salem Witch Trials. This isn't during witch mania. But this town had such a unique, creepy vibe that it got the reputation of housing multiple witches. One of them was known as Tammy Younger, and her nickname was Queen of the Witches. And she would sit out on her patio, and when people had to travel by her house to get, you know, they're going from point A to point B in dog towns in the middle, as they drove by her, she would curse their oxen, and the oxen would stop, and she'd be like, give me some potatoes. And then she would let them on through. Now, that obviously could just be legend, but the person apparently did exist, and people would give her food. Now, whether or not she had the magical power to stop Beasts of Burden, I don't, I'm don't. i not for sure. I mean, obviously, logically, probably not, but for whatever reason, people were stopping and giving her food. Maybe she's a prostitute. I don't know now that I think about it, but there were stories of, in the woods, like, booming sounds. You'd see, like, flickers of light in the forest. Sometimes figures would just be standing there by the tree line. It was not a fun place to be. Imagine like Blair Witch USA. It was not a cool place to be. A practical problem. So whether or not Tammy Younger was actually a practicing witch. Or she may have been practicing witch. But whether or not she actually had any sort of powers. That's up to debate. Whether you're skeptic or believer or things like that. And I always kind of fall in the middle. What's not mystical. What's not... You know, like, woo, might be spooky is, well, it is spooky, but not paranormal, is the third theory of how Dogtown got its name. Now, some people believe that the town didn't get the official name of Dogtown, or it didn't really get known as Dogtown until far later in its life cycle. Because after the American Revolution, after where everyone got their dogs, after War of 1812, where people were leaving, people just left their dogs there. And the dogs went feral. You just had wild packs of dogs roaming the town, attacking people. And they think that that's the reason how it really got the name of Dogtown, is that people from out of town would be like, I'm not going there. There's a bunch of dogs running around, and, and, if we're lucky, they won't eat our oxen while Tammy Younger has them frozen in fear. In 1845, the last building was raised. Like, they're like, get rid of the town, it's gone. And to make things even creepier, this town, apparently dog-headed Indians are running around it, People have an incredible fascination with dogs. There's a witch. There's a bunch of dogs, crazy dogs running around. You knock down all the buildings, and a spooky forest appears instead. Not just flatland. So you have all these trees, the forestry... Not the next day, but I mean, you know, the forestry appears, and... Dog Town, when they tore all the buildings down, they left the basements. Because what are you going to do? The cellars and stuff like that. So you can literally be walking through this forest and fall into a spooky basement from the 1600s. And no one will ever know you're there. And it's probably full of feral dogs. A lot of the cellars now have been marked with rocks. But not all of them. There's still quite a chance as you're walking through this spooky forest that you're going to fall into a cellar. A spooky, spooky cellar. So now we're in the present day. Well, not the present day. We're in 1984. Present for me when I was a kid. Now, another boy just got his brains bashed out in Spiderwebs, gates. sorry. I've already forgotten what that place is called. It's 1984. Return of the Jedi just came out a year earlier. Transformers, I think, came out this year. I was quite chubby. While I was in California watching Transformers, what was going on in this abandoned city slash spooky forest of Dogtown? 1984, March 17th, there was a report of a giant animal. I don't know why I made that noise. I guess I should have went... Anyway, whatever. It sounded like a circus song. There's a giant monster. There's a giant animal that's roaming the cliffs near Dogtown on March 17th. March 24th, a deer, its carcass is found ripped in half, not eaten, but torn in half. That night... Two people in the area say that they saw a giant dog monster roaming through the forest. So those are all reports that they had seen this monster moving through the forest. Actual news event, actual provable news event, on June 24th of that same year, so just, what is that, March, April, May, June, five months later, four months later, Ann Natty was an avid jogger, and she loved the Dogtown area. She just thought it was a beautiful forest And there's a man out there named Peter Hodgkins. And he ended up telling the police. So you can tell where this story's going. I didn't plan it. I didn't really think about it. I I just saw her and I had an overwhelming desire to murder her. So in these dark forests full of so many legends, Peter Hodgkins comes up behind her with a rock, smashes her head in. Just completely out of the blue. He just saw her, and knew that he needed to kill her. Is there a connection between that murder and the monster that was roaming the woods? Was this town infested by some sort of spirit animal? Is there really a plant in that area that if you ate it, you could become a shapeshifter? Was it possible that Peter Hodgkins was the beast that was sighted just five months earlier? No memory of it, just a wild... Murderous beast. This area definitely seems sinister. Could be completely made up. All the information that I've presented to you, it could just be myths and legends that are sewn together to tell a compelling story. I, on a scale of 1 to 10, out of all the places, I would put Dogtown at a 10. This place sounds absolutely fascinating to me. Dogtown, I think, has a dark secret and the only way you'll ever be able to really prove it right or wrong is to walk around it ten times. (laughs) No, no, the only way you're ever able to really, like, prove it would be to go out there. But if Peter Hodgkins wasn't the beast, where's the beast now? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.